We'll read chapter 1 of Haggai, as you will find it in your pew Bible, that is, if you have the same as this, that would be page um, 1,464. 1,464. Prophecy, the book of Haggai. We'll read the whole chapter. Hear God's holy and precious word. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth, on men and livestock, and on all the labor of your hands." Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Zehoshadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people, saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. So far, the reading of God's holy and precious word. 
In response to the preaching of the word, let us sing from Psalter number 71, the stanzas 4 and 5. Congregation, I want to draw your attention to our text passage as we find it here in Haggai, chapter 1, and that is the verses 6, 7, and 8. <clears throat> the verses 6, 7, and 8. And the Lord God says, through the prophet Haggai, You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. So far, the reading of God's holy word in our text. Congregation of the Lord, it is said by many that, we're, that we are in somewhat of an economic downturn. Now, I will be the first one to admit that I definitely am not an economist. Finances, economies, and investments are not my field of expertise, to be sure. All I know is that when the stock market, something about the stock market is that when it is a bull market, things are on the rise, and when it is a bear market, things are on a downturn. I do know, however, that we do live somewhat in economic downturn times, especially in this day, and that according to some, things will even become worse as times goes on, that they will not improve at all. But now, what is God's take in all of this. That is important for you and me to understand. What is God's take in all of this? And so that brings us then to the prophecies of Haggai, where we read in verse 6, a real live economic downturn being described for us and that in the following way. You have sown much, and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, and get this, earns wages to put into a bag with holes in it. We'll, we'll explain that in more detail after. Now, the context in which this verse is to be found provides us the reasons and the remedy also for this economic downturn. And so, let us then consider the matter, therefore, in the following theme and division. God's take on our economic downturn. In the first place, the reality of this economic downturn. Secondly, the reason for this economic downturn. And then, lastly, the remedy for this economic downturn. <clears throat> now, congregation, the prophet Haggai 
lived about 500 years before the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. At that time, the prophet Haggai found himself facing the miserable reality of an economic downtime and downturn. I don't believe that there were any stock markets in existence yet, but then already the nations of the world had a history of rising in economic prosperity and of falling into economic disaster. Egypt had already risen and fallen. The same with the Medo-Persian Empire had already risen and fallen. The Greek Empire, it would rise, it would fall, and so would the Roman Empire eventually as well, after the days of the prophet Haggai. In our day, the riches of Egypt and of Greece and of Rome are legendary, aren't they? But most of it lies in ruin. No matter how powerful, no matter how rich a nation would rise, it will eventually fall again. History has proven this time and time again. And it makes you and me think, doesn't it? Are we perhaps on the edge of the fall of the Western world empire? Are we perhaps on the edge of the fall of the North American empire? Something for us to think about. At any rate, the prophet Haggai and the people of the land, they found themselves facing the reality of such an economic downturn. And it is very graphically described for us as well in our text passage by the last line of our text. He who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. In other words, the money that a person earned was not secure, not secure at all. It was like dropping your money into a bag which has holes in it, and it drops right out. Along with this economic downturn were the negative spin-offs, so to speak. The people sowed their crops, but the harvest was little. They ate and they drank, but it really was not enough for them. They did clothe themselves, but it was not enough to keep themselves warm. The reality of the economic downturn affected many, if not all, parts of their lives. And is this not, to a degree, also the same in our day? We are living in rather unstable economic times, aren't we? People are worried that their investments will fall flat and turn to zero, and that their retirement securities will not be all that secure anymore. Much of the money that we have earned may also find its way in a bag with holes in it, to use the language of our text passage, especially as we do our best to fill up our vehicles' gas tanks. The spin-off of, of, of all this downturn has affected the housing market, 
It has affected the job market, and it has affected the auto industry as well. Are we perhaps also facing times when there will not be enough food, not enough drink, <clears throat> not enough clothing to shelter or shelters for us to go around as it was in Haggai's days? It's been concluded by some experts that the poor nations in the third world will suffer the worst almost immediately because the previously rich nations will no longer be able to financially support the third world countries. Look at what is happening already in some of the African countries, such as Somalia, Nigeria, and South Sudan. I looked it up again and found that there is much famine and great starvation in those countries. Our text rings, therefore, with reality when the prophet Haggai says, You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Israel, at that time, faced the reality of an economic downturn. But now, in the second place, the reason for this economic downturn, because you and I, we should ask, well, why is this happening? And why did this happen in the time of Haggai? Why was Israel facing those kind of problems? Well, it actually came about in the following way. The people have returned from Babylonian captivity. They've built their homes, they have worked very hard, and they have been able to cultivate their land. They've planted vineyards and, and various olive groves. The work at that time was plentiful, and the wages were good. The feeling was, therefore, that a golden age was about to dawn for them. And then, at that time, a period of severe drought began. We read in verse 10 that the dew which normally watered the land, it did not come. And the lack, it affected man and beast. The land did not produce. The farmers sowed their seed, but it produced little. All the work that was done was for nothing. And all the money that was spent was like dropping coins in a bag with holes in it. Why did this drought period come upon the people? And why did it drain them of their wealth? We might ask. Well, the prophet Haggai, on behalf of God, has to tell the people why. It is because they built paneled houses for themselves, verse 4. But they left the temple of the Lord in ruins. That is the reason. 
the housing industry, it definitely must have been booming at a certain time. And, and the people, they build big homes, luxury homes, paneled homes, as it is called, and it meant luxury homes. The people thought of themselves and that first and foremost, their comfort, their luxuries, they took the priority with them. And it was their only concern. The building of the temple, it was no priority for them whatsoever. The foundations, they were laid some 16 years before already. But there was some opposition to that kind of work. And so the people stopped it altogether. And no one had any desire to take it up again. The worship of the Lord, you see, it did not amount to much for the people because they were so caught up in themselves. And this is therefore the reason why the prophet Haggai has to announce that an economic downturn was come and it comes quite suddenly as well because the Lord, as it were, blew it upon them, as you can read in verse 9. The people suddenly found themselves in great financial difficulties because the Lord has seen and he had enough of their greed and of their selfish lifestyle and of their careless ways of worshiping. Now, is this perhaps the reason that there is this economic downturn also in our day and age, dear people? Is it perhaps because the true worship of the Lord God lies in ruins amongst many nations? Rather than rebuilding the worship of the Lord God, it is broken down in many places. And how much opposition has been created against the service of the Lord? How many churches have not been burned down in many places, also even in our country? How many people have not really done away with the Christian religion altogether in the last two or three generations? Large sections of this world's nations, which were previously Christian, have turned biblically illiterate. We are back in pagan and Gentile society. Mission work, it does not need to be done all the way out in faraway places. It needs to be done also in our own very own country. It needs to be done in our own nation, even right in our own backyard. <clears throat> you see, we have evolved into a society in which the mammon of money is God. The possibility of earning money is now stretched over 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even on the Lord's day. Midnight shopping and Sunday shopping has become the norm because so it, claim, it is claimed it is good for the economy. Whatever the market could bear, no matter, it would be, be good or bad for society, no matter what price it would cost, it was considered good for the economy. Apparently, it was good for the economy to build casinos, as we have it in this day and age, and to make gambling and lottery readily available. 
It was good for the economy, so I'm told, to have easy access to bear and to, to beer and to liquor stores. It was good, it is good for the economy, so I'm told to ease up on the laws against recreational drugs. Even every town, my understanding is every town has at least one vape place. It is good for the economy, so I'm told to allow soft core pornography to flood the market, and AI is helping to flood this market as well, that is artificial intelligence. It was good for the economy, so I'm told, to cater to abortion possibilities and gay pride festivals. In the meantime, what has been thought to be good for the economy has been tough on society, on men and women, boys and girls, terribly tough. It has done terrible damage to family life. How many families have not been torn apart because of some addiction, whether it is the addiction to gambling or to pornography or to alcohol or to drugs? How many men and women have not become workaholics in these last several generations because you've got to get it all? The things has also done terrible damage to church life as well. And let me speak in general, because it does not necessarily pertain to the congregation here. But generally speaking, it has become hard to get people to come to church once, and even more difficult to get people to come to church twice on the Lord's Day. People are just too busy. Now, thankfully, I don't think that that is a problem here. I praise the Lord for that. But generally speaking, people are just too preoccupied with their possessions, or they are just too tired because of their pursuit of possessions. And the worst of it all is that it does great harm to spiritual life. Since the economy has taken center stage, the worship of God has been relegated to the back benches. People do not have the time, they do not have the energy to worship the God of heaven and earth. With it, the need and the desire to worship God has also evaporated. In other words, the temple of the Lord and the worship of God, it lies in ruins. And now, as it was in the days of the prophet Haggai, the Lord God has, as it were, blown upon this world. The world suddenly, and isn't it sudden? The world suddenly finds itself in great financial difficulty because of the global economic downturn. And listen again to what the prophet Haggai has to say about this. And I, this, it is important for us because this is the word of God, you see. You have so much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Now, people still have food and drink for themselves. But are they really satisfied? People still have enough clothing to keep warm. 
But are they really content? People still have houses and nice houses to live in. But they have their concerns, don't they? It seems that the economic downturn, many people have lost the joy of living. The joy of living. Even their money in the bank is, so I'm told, not really all that safe anymore. Many are at a loss what to do with their hard-earned savings. The fear is that the money they have earned is being dropped in bags that have holes in them. And this is what happens, dear people. This is what happens when people have forgotten who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what the Lord Jesus Christ has once said. Do not lay up for yourselves Treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. You can read of that in Matthew 6, the verses 19 and 20. And what about us? What about you and me? Are we also caught up in this economic downturn? And with it lost our contentment, lost our joy in living? I truly hope not. I hope not. Yes, it's true that the ripples of this downturn have also touched us, hasn't it? We are not immune to what is happening in this world of ours today. We have also had to tighten our belts and learn to live with just a little less. We also see some of our money fall through the holes in the bag, as the prophet Haggai calls it. But our treasures on earth are not our greatest concern, are they? Again, I surely hope not. We who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have something that the world does not understand. We have treasures in heaven. We have treasures in heaven. We have the most prized possessions with the Lord. And no stock market in the world, whether it be bull stock market or a bear stock market, can touch the treasures that God has for us. We who have entrusted ourselves and the lives of our family members to the care and to the protection of the Lord and Savior, we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for us. So we are told in 1 Peter 1 verse 4. How should we then conduct ourselves during this period of economic downturn? which may be with us for a while, or perhaps for a long time. Well, we should definitely not become careless and unconcerned. We should deal wisely with our possessions and with our money and with our investments. Others who are far more financially astute than me tell us, that we should not do anything drastic. In other words, 
Let there not be a knee-jerk reaction to the ups and downs of the stock market today. A wise man once gave this particular advice, learn to live within your means. But on a more spiritual level, and that is of course what, what counts for you and for me, on a more spiritual level, how should we conduct ourselves during this period, and for that matter, how should we conduct ourselves in our life? Well, the Bible teaches us not to fret. You can read of this in Psalm 37. You can read of this also in Proverbs 24. Do not fret. In other words, do not get yourselves in a knot worrying about all of these things. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says, as is recorded again in Matthew 6. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Look at the birds of the air, consider the lilies of the field, therefore do not worry. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first, there you have it, but seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Dear congregation, during this period of economic downturn, let us be more more consistent in seeing the necessity of putting our trust in God. Because remember, as that well-known spiritual celebrates it, he's got the whole world in his hand, even the world of finances and of economics. He's got the whole world in his hands. Well, now, in the last place, going back to the days of the prophet Haggai, the remedy for this economic downturn. What was it that the Lord God wanted the people to do? It is recorded for us in Haggai chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways, go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. In other words... What is the Lord God saying to the people in Haggai's days? Get busy. Build the house of the Lord. Get going on reconstructing the temple. Well, this is indeed what happened. Because we read in the verses that follow, therefore, that Zerubbabel and Joshua, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts their God. In short, this was then the remedy for their economic downturn. The people needed to get their priorities straight instead of themselves first instead of their houses and their possessions first, they were admonished by Haggai the prophet and by God himself to put God first. They were urged to become serious about the worship of God and giving him the glory, giving him the praise, and giving him the attention that he desires from people like you and me. Would this not be the remedy to our economic downturn today, dear people? God takes no pleasure in 
and he gets no glory while we pursue our own interests. But when pleasing him and when glorifying him becomes our priority in life again, we may very well see things turn around again for us too. When God and his worship becomes the priority in our life, we will not be overtaken by greed. When we learn to depend on the Lord our God rather than on the strength of the dollar or on the power of Wall Street, bull market, we will run less of a risk of overextending ourselves and spending more than what we can afford. You see, part of godliness and I stress this, part of godliness is being content with what we have and it is being careful with the gifts that God has given us. I believe if our nation and if our Western world collectively would return to the Lord our God with sincere hearts and with repentant spirits, you would soon see that it would remedy much of what the world is experiencing presently. And such a remedy, it might not bring on fabulous wealth. And we don't need fabulous wealth. But such a remedy will bring contentment and gratitude for what the Lord is willing to give us and gladden us with it. It would be good for each one of us and for the world around us to think seriously about what the Lord Jesus Christ continues to remind us of, that we are to seek the kingdom of God and all the other things will be added to it. Well, we have heard something of governments bailing out financial institutions of putting forth billions of dollars to get financial institutions flush again. We've heard about large sums of government gifts made available to rescue a broken and a debt-ridden system. There is a spiritual lesson to be learned from it, dear people. Think of what God has put forth and what He has made available to remedy the demise of the world of lost sinners. And we know that text well, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Think of what the Son, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, has put forth to pay the debt of sin that belongs to people like you and me. His very self, his very life, his flesh and his blood. He gave it all on the cross. And surely, surely his gift is the remedy for your and my spiritual downturn. But dear people, I would not hesitate to say that it is also the remedy for our economic downturn as well. Let us therefore in these times of uncertain economic turn our hearts away from self and turn it to the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whom by faith 
we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, does not fade away and is reserved in heaven for us, so we are told. Let us therefore not fret about the stock market, but place our trust in him, in him alone, who is called in various ways the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And how do we need peace in this world, particularly in the Ukraine area and in Israel area? We need to pray for that. Have we done so? Are you already practicing the faith in God and in what he supplies for your and my well-being? Are you practicing it? Are you already practicing to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his precious blood? Have you learned to entrust yourself to him, to him alone? If not, let the economic downturn just let it rest. Just let the stock market, let it do what it wants to do. Make faith in God. Make faith in the Lord Jesus Christ your priority even today. The Bible says, what will it profit if a man gains the whole world but loses his own soul? The world and its riches are quickly fading away and will soon be gone altogether, altogether. But there are unfading riches, imperishable riches, unimaginable riches to be had and to be enjoyed with God and that through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore we are called even as I bring this message to a close, seek it with him and your eternal, yes, I stress, your eternal inheritance is secure. Amen. Psalter number 71, 4 and 5. <clears throat> Let us close in prayer of thanksgiving. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that has come to us through the writings of the prophet Haggai. And Lord, we must say that it is so relevant for us today. And we ask therefore that you would grant to each one of us to understand these prophecies and that they are meant for lessons for us today. And we ask therefore that you'd give us wisdom, wisdom that the prophet proclaimed and that the wisdom that the people showed in obeying the prophet, that that wisdom also would be ours. That we would make your service our priority, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that of an essential matter, that all the other things will work out according to your great will. We thank you, O Lord God, that you have given us your word also in this way, and we pray that you would give us understanding of your ways for us and that we may obey you. Please help us to do so and grant that all of us, young and old, may learn also from this passage how to live in your presence. Bless us, we pray, as we leave the sanctuary.
as we fellowship with one another. And may the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ be exalted amongst us. Bless us on our ways home and back. And bring us again to worship you this afternoon. And that in Jesus' name, and that in the forgiveness of all our sins. Amen.